And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The football podcast Group of Death, the Premier League's cartoon Winter Ball, Westminster Football Analogy Silly Season in full swing, highly unorthodox ways of consuming football matches, the deepest of deep dives into the Premier League concept of unfinished business, and its bum slaps and dive gestures all round as we investigate the art of footballing non-verbal communication. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 109 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me is David Walker. Good week for the Football Clichés podcast. We found ourselves in the group of death at the Football Supporters (laughs) Association Awards for 2021. Indeed we have. Care to run through who the other contenders are? Uh, the Football Ramble, Guardian Football Weekly, the uh, upstarts, <laughs> Match of the Day Top Tens, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Set Piece Menu, The Totally Football Show. A bit of internal competition there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it like a muted celebration if they win? I don't know. Yeah, a tough, tough competition, Dave, but just happy to be there, aren't we, really? We are delighted to be there, as is always the case when nominated for these things. It's a it's a it's a great honour to be to be there amongst five other very fine podcasts. But we do have to contend with the social media campaigning that has already begun. Max yeah. Rushton is already incessantly updating his Instagram and Twitter, begging people to vote for him. So has he got like a time zone he... advantage on us now as well? Because like he's yeah. going to get a cover. He's got a whole country behind him now, isn't he? Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, a continent, in fact. But um, I think he'd win anyway without it. But, you know, we're up against it. No Crouchy this year, so it's it's more of an open field than it would have been otherwise. But um, good luck to us. Yeah, well, we need the cliches army, the cliches yeah. ultras out there. Mobilise in your thousands. Yeah, I mean, yeah, please do vote for us. I'm not going to read out the URL because who does that on a podcast in 2021? So I'm not going to do that, but find it and vote for us. That'd be lovely. Um, alongside you for the adjudication panel today is Nick Miller. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. Can I, can I also say that I, uh, and I'll leave it to the listeners to decide which one, I didn't know that one of those other nominated podcasts was a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So... It's a book as well, would you believe? It's a book really? as well. Wow. I mean, who am I to talk about tenuous football books? But still, or who are you to talk about tenuous football <laughs> yeah, books? Exactly. <laughs> I was going to exactly. say. <laughs> no, none of us have got a leg to stand on here. <laughs> well, I'd say we've got a foot each to stand on. Uh, anyway, um, burning question for you. Um, glad you're here for this one. Tom Simpson writes in. After the goal music discussion a few weeks ago, there was a disturbing turn of events in the cricket in Dubai, where three lions was played every time England got a wicket against Sri Lanka. What? Is this a simultaneous games gone moment for football and cricket, Nick? It's certainly a games gone moment for for cricket. The twin, obviously, the twin arguments for the, uh, over three lions, which we're we're not going to we're not going to rehash now. But it, it, particularly the, the the self-deprecating version particularly doesn't apply to England in the cricket, who are literal world champions at the moment. Not in the 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 format that they're they're playing, but they have also won that before. So yeah, one of my kind of proper cricket. Men uh, opinions in is <laughs> proper cricket men. Wicket music. <laughs> well, n- not not wicket music. It's football songs and chants being kind of introduced into cricket. It's a different tempo, isn't it? It's, it's a, a different it's, tempo. It's a different tempo, There's, and I, I is find there an my... equivalent though. What could they play? 
Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. England cricket has never produced a, a song, has it? Oh, the, the, I'm sure there have been. It's not not in the kind of same tradition as no. you know back home and so on. No, should but have done. Sure. See, it feels quite crickety. It feels like something cricket would have done. Botham would have done it. I th- but Beefy uh, was more of a more of a panto guy than mm, um, okay. his own song. Although now you now you mention it, it, it must have happened at some point. Former uh, England batsman Mark Butcher is a sort of semi-accomplished singer-songwriter in his oh, own right. right, but that's not it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's 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 distance there. He wants to be yeah proper musician. There's no cricket. Yeah. No, 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 okay. no. Perhaps no. him and Glenn Hoddle could team up. Actually, funnily enough, during the Chelsea Malmo game this week, Hoddle was on co-commentary duty. And uh, commentator Ian Dark referenced his upcoming single. He's releasing some music. And I thought, is, what, is that the follow-up to his summer Ooh. singles? Or is he talking about the same one? I had frantically got over to Spotify, found his two singles from the summer. And then underneath that was the third one, We Are The Champions. I thought, oh, God, he's releasing. But it turns out it was from 96. Glenn Hoddle rele- recorded a version of We Are The Champions. For well, just the same, delicious straight cover. Yeah, shall I, shall I play it for you, actually? Let's, um, bit of a detour. But 1996. Was this, was this a sort of hubristic recording ahead of the Euros? Or, or, or maybe even he recorded it ahead of the 98 World Cup? So this was a compilation album called England's Glory. England right. squads and supporters, 1966 to 1996. <laughs> various artists. Introduction Sorry. by Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> That's what I was laughing at there. And she's listed as an artist on Spotify. Click on her. What else has she done? <laughs> <laughs> just that one. Just that. Introduction. Her most popular song. Introduction. Um, 18 seconds. We might as well listen to that then. Okay, let's have that first. Oh. Is she playing the trumpet? <laughs> I welcome all our visitors. Oh, here we are. Oh. We shall be seeing some fine football. Brilliant. Oh, so it actually was a recording from the 1966 final. Okay. I assume so. Anyway, not uh, quite this... as fun, is it, as her no. getting into the, into the booth? Um, this compilation <laughs> album does, of course, include the, the songs that you referenced, Nick, um, the likes that England Squad recorded in 1982 and, and whatnot. But this is the song in question. This is We Are the Champions by Glenn Hoddle. Actually, slightly Mercury esque. Oh, Glenn. Oh. Oh, prophetic. Let's <laughs> hit the top note just about. Go on, Glenn. Oh, lovely little lilts, my friend. Nice. Silky. It's got range, Glenn has. Really? John Gorman on backing vocals. (laughs) (laughs) Eileen Drury on drums. (laughs) But yeah, a lovely little discovery. That was uh, Glenn Hoddle's We Are The Champions. Um, It's amazing, actually, to me, Dave, that Glenn Hoddle, no matter what context he's communicating in, Pretty much the same tone. It's got, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. we, are the, we are the champions. Oh, well, made a few mistakes in my time, but no, that's all right, isn't it? That was a bit too brooking, actually. Work on yeah. that. Yeah, agreed. So, on to the adjudication panel, finally, for this week. Um, Nick, uh, the nights are cutting in, aren't they? Mm. Getting a bit yes. colder? Yes. Big coat weather? Yeah. Was that a game last night? Big coat, first outing of the year? Yeah. Oh, right. And on top of all of that, of course... The Premier League winter ball. Mm. Yeah, it's time. It's mm. time. Uh, quite a design this year. I mean, it's it's yellow, as you would expect. Um, but the, the, the ball, the Premier League say, has a vibrant design that features comic book patterns inspired by and celebrating the real-life players who are superheroes both on and off the pitch. Oh, hello. <laughs> wow. I just uh, I, I just admired the design. I didn't know there was kind of a backstory to it. I mean, I, 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 there's, there's always, always a backstory. backstory. There's yeah. always a backstory. But yeah. I, I mean, Dave, the, the comic book aspect has ruined it for me. I, I'm not a comic guy, 
and uh, it's 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 up there with wrestling and Simpsons for me. I'm sorry, but it is. Okay. Um, but the design not a fan itself, of not a fan of the Marvel film, Marvel no, Cinematic Universe. No, no. Complete waste of time. But uh, the design itself in isolation is actually very nice. I quite like it. I, I would own that. I wouldn't kick it, but I'd own it. Well, that's that's the point there i think it looks re i do quite like the design it looks like something that could be sitting on a shelf in a carefully curated backdrop for somebody filming a podcast on zoom mm. it would look <laughs> it would look perfect but i don't know whether these people consider when designing the balls how does it look when in motion because i think it would just look like when it's kicked there's so many that the way that the, the wavy colors and the, the, the design of it all it's going to look like you know when you get like loads of you know, like when you were at school and you had like plasticine and all the different colours just merged together and it became sure. sort of one grey sort of mass. Concentrating, were you? Yeah, it might end up like that. <laughs> um, um, oh, you, you say that you think that they don't pay any attention to this sort of thing. Of course they do, Dave. Of course they do. Because the organic base that wraps the ball links the 12 signal pods that offer optimal flicker and colour optimization. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, Nick, yeah, I mean, to return to the overall theme of this ball, the base is given a bold yellow, blue, laser crimson and white Laser crimson. Laser crimson. That is inspired by the bright images of the golden age of comic books between 1938 and 1956. What a weirdly specific time frame. <laughs> It just feels weird that the Premier League would even talk about those decades. Yeah, how do we get the kids more involved? Let's talk. Let's uh, make a, a, an arch reference to arcane comic books from seventy years ago. Uh, on the the, the colour thing, though, could you argue that this is actually a, a combination of uh, of jazzy modern stylings and a nod to tradition? Because when Dave was talking about his kind of the sort of plasticine esque melding of uh, mm. red and yellow. What do red and yellow make when they are mixed together? Orange. Orange ball. There you go. Oh, well, okay. Yes. Yeah, that's a very it's elementary a, way of looking at it. Yes, I completely agree. It's um, a real reach, but, yeah. uh, I, you know, they, they thought of all that bullshit to, to do with the comic books, so they might have thought of this as well. I, I'm, I'm reassuring, in, in a way, that the golden age of comic books, despite not being my, my thing, uh, wasn't affected by World War Two, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if anything, clearly uh, enhanced it. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I mean, there was a lot Nothing of... else to do. Yeah, and a lot of, basically all the villains were Nazis, I think, at, at that time, in most of the comic books. Captain um, America. Captain America was literally a response to World War II. This actually brings us very nicely onto our next point of the adjudication panel. Nick and Dave, you're, you're both probably well familiar now with the uh, football media concept that is just days after. And it's usually, usually quite a stretch to use that phrase. Here's one for you, Dave. The Royal Marines have forced US troops to surrender just days into a training exercise after eliminating almost the entire unit, proudly barks the telegraph. I'm Is not sure about thing? the use of just days here, because how long was the exercise supposed to last? Yeah. How long were you going to be fucking doing this? Training exercise. You're away for two months. But <laughs> it's insane. Uh, are they, they're not dead, are they? No, no, just <laughs> in a, in a Curious use way. of the word elimination. <laughs> <laughs> Wooden swords. <laughs> Paintballs. <laughs> But in summary, Nick, are you happy with the just days here? It feels it feels like that's an appropriate amount of time to win a training exercise in a military context. Yeah, I think so. Not quite as happy as I was with the um, the Queen spotted driving around Windsor or wherever it was just to days after being told to rest up, <laughs> which was which was just terrific. Just it, yeah. It, Turns out it wasn't as bad as first feared. Returning yeah. ahead of schedule. Really good. Yeah, she'll be um, she, she'll be breaking her silence on the uh, on the matter soon, surely. But it's the the driving driving your car around the grounds of where you live is very much the uh, the returning to training for the royal family. <laughs> yeah, light train, not not with a group. I don't think light training. <laughs> exactly, no contact. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily driving to or from anywhere. Just, just oh, around. she's just she's just just a, don't go, don't speak to her. She's just driving around. She'll be fine in a few days. <laughs> In good spirits, no doubt. Now, Nick, if there was ever such a thing as Westminster football analogy silly season, this is surely it. Um, you, were, you may recall a few days ago, Boris Johnson using the analogy for the climate crisis, that the, the world was 5-1 down at half time. Well, update, because there's, there's been a goal at the climate crisis. Which way has it gone? Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Um, because Boris Johnson, in that relentlessly enraging, you're going to like this one tone of his, says humanity is fighting back against climate change. If this was a football match, then the current score would be 5-1 uh, down uh, in, the, in the match between humanity and climate change. And 
I think what you could say today, after two days of talks with around 120 world leaders, is that we've pulled back a goal, or perhaps even two. And I think we're going to be able uh, to take this thing uh, to extra time, because there's no doubt that uh, some progress has been made. Not quite enough concern in his voice for me uh, <laughs> at the at the realisation that we're 5-1 down at half time. But one or two goals back. I mean, the first thing to say about this, Nick, perhaps, is that he's not committing to this at all. I think as soon as he says football match, you know that this is being telegraphed. Yeah, I mean... Christ, mm. uh, it, it, that that clip was what about fifteen seconds long. It mm. felt to me that felt like we'd been here all morning. Mm. Just mm. the the laboured way he um, delivered that. But yeah, it, it, it particularly enjoyable that we're five one down and we just pulled a cup, pulled a goal or two back, and then went extra time. Presumably, this is the second leg of of a two legged affair. No away goals apparently. No either. away goals don't count in the climate crisis. I I, I think. And I'm going to shock you here. I think this is a man who's vaguely heard of football and he's aware that it's popular yeah. and is trying to seem like a human being. I mean, this is a very pressing issue, Dave. I mean, um, I'm not dead against analogies in this context like this to, to make the, the wider population understand what's going on. But, you know, five, the difference between 5-2 and 5-3 is massive. Like, which one is it? I want to know. Absolutely. I don't reckon it's 5-3. I think that's bullshit. It's not 5-3. Not after no. like two days of a conferencing in Glasgow. If you read some sources, we may not even be 5-1 down, no, <laughs> to no. be honest with you. So, fucked, yes, yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, we are. We are. We're, we're, the climate is toying with us. It could score 10 if it wants to, but at the moment, maybe it's just keeping it to nine. But yeah. it, at in, any moment, uh, it could kill us. In many ways, this conference hasn't changed humanity's task. <laughs> 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 Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Superb. It didn't even cross my mind. Sensational. And well-delivered well as well, I must say. Superb. Um, but of course, I mean, we can sit here and talk all day about um, Johnson's flimsy football analogies. But uh, meanwhile, one man will not be outdone in this arena. And that is proper football analogy man, Jonathan Van Tam. I would say we're kind of um, half, half time in extra time. And um, I think the final whistle um, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, I can't predict it. Um, but my, my personal view is that we've got a few more months to run and uh, I think we'll be in a much calmer set of waters um, by um, uh, uh, spring. I think I'll say spring. Yeah. Dave, let, I mean, let's be honest, it, it tailed off towards the end, but mm. great reference at the start. No, no sort of half-hearted politician is going to go for half time in extra time. It's a very, very precise. Very point Absolutely. of a game yeah it did the, the metaphors became slightly mixed at the end the, the introduction mm. of calmer waters um, yeah. not really but he's got quite, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean this fantastic johnson is obviously taking inspiration from the doyen of political footballing analogies professor jonathan van tam but he just can't pull it off van tam is the real deal van tam seemed to have the um the the look in his eyes of someone who's mentioned this a few months ago and it's sort of now stuck with it and he's like oh god this is they're gonna ask me this every time aren't they oh, Jesus <laughs> where are we in this bloody match well, yeah <laughs> what's the score i've lost track I, i'm still enjoying it i'm still enjoying it I, uh, as long as he doesn't jump the shark by say let's say january or so um i'm happy with it um what i would say is uh, nick half time of extra time is what nhs workers sort of um sitting on the ground having their legs wobbled by a physio and <laughs> uh, a few oranges lying around. Someone being told mm. to stand up, get up, because uh, you don't want to t- you don't let the opposition know you're tired. Um, that's where we're at. Yeah, also the famously nervy period where everyone's terrified to concede a goal and thinking about penalties to come. So Yeah, it could be quite a dull part of the pandemic, actually, the yeah. next 15 minutes uh, yeah. or, or so. This won't be boring, however. Um, I've entitled this bullet point on the running order potentially the most Arsenal thing ever. Um this Friday night at the Barbican in London is the world premiere of Up for Grabs by composer Mark Anthony Turnage. You Christ. may not be familiar with this. David's uh, projected highlights of Arsenal's famous 2 0 win over Liverpool in 1989, which is going to get the symphonic treatment by a star studded jazz trio who will join the BBC Symphony Orchestra uh, to perform Turnage's composition. After that, there'll be a, a panel discussion of course. with some of the original Arsenal team, George Graham. Lee Dixon, Alan Smith and Nigel Winterburn, led by the Athletics' Amy Lawrence, no less. Brilliant. Um, so it sounds like a well-rounded evening, but I'm interested in the, uh, in the musical part, to be quite honest with you. Nick, here's, here's the first, first little detail. It's a 25-minute um, score, which will accompany a, 
uh, a film of highlights from the from the famous match. Brian Moore's commentary won't feature, but crowd noise will, as well as the music. So just setting the scene here. I mean, that sounds that sounds like a not unpleasant twenty five minutes, um, generally speaking. Yeah, that sounds like a reasonably pleasant evening. I'm, I'm just like curious as to what the discussion afterwards is going to hold. Whether that is going to be a kind of detailed breakdown of the of the piece or just kind of memories from that night again. Trotted would, out again, again, over and over again. I would pay to hear Nigel Winterburn break down a 25-minute composition, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I... Well, I know he's gone there. He's, he's written the notes down and it's... Uh, it's uh, I mean, I, I, thankfully, it's come in. And it's... Dave, I'm, I'm no expert in the composition of, of classical music, uh, but I am fascinated by the um, some of the detail that's gone into it. Turnage is an Arsenal fan, so this, he, he was the perfect man to do this. He was invited by the Barbican to compose mm. this piece. His starting right. point, was to write refrains by taking letters in the players' names and corresponding them to the letter names given to the notes of the musical scale. Now, again, I'm no expert, but that feels like a very, very kind so, of chaos theory way of writing music. Well, what letter does it go up to? G. G. Yeah. yeah. Well, George Graham. There you go. Double G there. There. Yeah, what's what's Winterburn doing there? He's got no place in this at all. <laughs> Just really high notes? I don't know. Um, this will presumably all be explained. Anyway, that was the raw material, Nick. Uh, then there are the music follows moments like uh, the action of the ball, the rising and the falling of a clarinet as the ball loops and up and down. What is, is that going to be like, whoop? Well, this is the impression I'm starting to get because, yeah, okay, so, so the music is derived from... Partly from the players' names. Okay, understood that. It's also going to take in the trajectory of the ball, Nick. Symbol um, crashing when someone strikes it, maybe. Well, he also he also says, um, as a lifelong Arsenal fan, he was unable to resist the opportunity to tease the then Liverpool manager. He says, when you see Kenny Dalglish on the screen, I've written really jokey music like Laurel and Hardy, which I had so much fun with. If he's got a sense of humour, not that he will ever see it, then I hope he might find it quite funny. I, this, is, this has gone very odd. I thought it was going to be a sort of a flowing yeah. kind of symphony. And Nick, it's turned to this kind of, I don't know, 1930s kind of kind of vaudeville comic yeah. music that's going to be inserted into the middle of this thing yeah this sounds like a a, a, a very experimental piece yeah you know yeah definitely um although uh, there are mundane details to to cover here dave um he also says when he was first approached with the idea by hugh humphreys barbican's head of music turnage admitted he was skeptical i wasn't keen because i thought i've got to write 90 minutes of music and when you look back there's quite a lot of passing back to the goalkeeper <laughs> <laughs> The passback rule, denying uh, music composers what would huge be the, commissions. What would be the sound of the repetitive uh, passback to the goalkeeper? Like, yeah, some really deep woodwind yeah. instrument. <laughs> depends, depends who the goalkeeper is, I suppose. I don't know. Um, Grobbler, well, a bit, well, more, bit yeah. more trepidation. Would it have been Seaman in the other goal? John, John Lukic. Oh, Lukic, okay. I was going to say, because right. if it was Seaman, they could have done some sort of, had the symphonic version of his laugh mm. somehow. <laughs> it's the horn section. <laughs> <laughs> Could be done, sort of arpeggio, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Surely, I mean, I'm sure Arsenal fans are quite happy to to consume any content around the famous uh, "It's up for grabs now" game for the rest of time. But surely, this what more can they do? There's been a film, God knows how many books. The game's always on, you know, on the retro games on BT or, or Sky or whatever. Now there's a bloody symph- symphony orchestra soundtracking it. It's going to be brilliant. Andrew Lloyd Webber going to make it a musical next? <laughs> Can I also make a slightly nip? But did you say that the, the name of this was It's Up For Grabs? No, it's simply Up For Grabs. Up For Grabs? Mm. But not Up For Grabs now? No, I guess he just didn't want to evoke Brian Moore too much because he doesn't actually feature in the piece. I think right, that's a mistake. Okay. I, I obviously haven't heard it yet, but I think you'd want the commentary. Would you not want Brian Moore, especially in that moment? You want that crescendo. It's going to get in the way. It's get well, away could they not music. have some singers, some opera singers could <laughs> sing that? <laughs> it's up for grabs now! <laughs> exactly, yeah. Look at Thomas! Um, the bloke off of Go Compare. <laughs> God, oh, don't come on, cheapen it. No, don't cheapen, don't cheapen it. it. Please don't cheapen it. Uh, I, this was this was by no means a, a takedown. I'm fascinated by the whole thing. I'd love to go, but I'm not an Arsenal fan, so I'm not going to. But I, it did make me wonder from our army of listeners um, the unorthodox context in which they've consumed football. Manchester City played Palace in the FA Cup a few years back. It wasn't on TV, so some bloke in the away end periscoped the entire match. What a legend. 
Wow. I mean, on whose side is 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 the discipline here? Because I feel like I couldn't sit through it, but I definitely wouldn't fucking film it. I wouldn't be the guy who does that. What a service. Oh, I think yeah. No, I, I think it is. I mean, it's pretty. It's equally hard to to, to be either party. To be honest, yeah. Filming it for the entire match. What angle are you? Move, is he moving it? Is he got a static angle? Is he following the ball? Is he? I mean, what, so is he if you're far back away, enough? He'll just be straight ahead of you, and you capture everything. But on a phone, yeah. I mean, even these days, it's. I mean, this was 2017. So but is he landscape or portrait? You'd hope landscape, but some people just don't realise, do they? No. Uh, but yeah, let's let's hope it was landscape. Anyway, this is that's that this is that's tame for where we're going to go from here, Nick. Because uh, I'll warm you up even further. Charlie Jones says, when my team aren't on TV, I often find myself watching the graphics on a betting app that shows where the ball is, who's got it, and what phase of play they're in. I can't decide if that's worse or more depressing than the automated text commentary you get. I mean, that's that's a desperate way to consume football, no matter how engaged you are or, or you know, why you care. Like how they used to display games on Championship Manager. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. So it, it sort of gives you the rough idea of where the ball is and what direction it's going in, but no more than that, I don't think. The beauty of the of Championship Manager was that it allowed you to, to kind of paint a picture in your own head, the same as if you're reading a book or whatever, and that was great. When you're doing it in the context of a betting app, it, it just it just encourages panic. I've, I've followed many accumulator through the... Uh, when there's one match left in it and it needs to go my way and I'm just watching those little words pop up and like Accrington Stanley are on a dangerous attack. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, tell me more, tell me those more. Those words are so loaded, aren't they, in that <laughs> yeah. context? Thought, you know, in, in a match report, you wouldn't give a shit, but if you're reading that at the time and you really cared, that, those words could mean anything. What yeah. it? Is it three on one? Exactly. Oh, God knows. Terrifying. Um, but yeah, Charlie Jones, um, you, you're, a, you're a stronger-willed man than I. Dave, Sam D says, uh, during the 2016 Euros... He watched Iceland versus France on top of a mountain with a view of Eyjafjallajökull in Iceland <laughs> in a tent. I can assure you that's eight out, of, eight out of ten pronunciation. I've done the research. Uh, huddled round a broken iPad belonging to our Icelandic tour guide. Pretty surreal. That's almost a humble brag, isn't it? Yeah. How on earth did they get the 4G? Oh, uh, it's Iceland. Icelandic volcano or whatever. <laughs> is, is Iceland Nokia or is that Finland? It's Finland, isn't it? Uh, okay, we're warming up now. Andrew Jenkins, Nick, says, the bloke in front of me at St Andrews on Tuesday night was watching the game on Sky Arena on his phone. The same game, with a five-second delay, at least. Instinctively, I would say that's that's absolutely nonsense. But that that's sort of... I don't know, is that not quite practical? If you... Because occasionally, occasionally, yeah, you get replays. Occasionally, you miss things uh, in a game. I mean, it mm. is, it's very much kind of game's but gone. But why are you there? What's the point? Uh, it's, just, it's just an a, a, a additional thing. I mean, this is we, journalists have this in in the press box, the, mm. the little little no, telly. You get a little telly true. on your desk for at um, most Premier League clubs. You see the see the replays. You know, it's quite useful. But I think as a fan, you do in danger not really investing in either. So you're, you're sort of yeah. not watching the game, but you're not watching the iPad. And you're not, sort of you're flicking not, you're between not very, the two. Yeah, yeah, not very in the moment, are you? Mm. I mean, uh, I would kind of forgive him if it was a different game and he was sort of, I don't know, double screening in a weird kind of way. But yeah, the same game doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me. But if that's the done thing, then fine. Dave Ryan McMenamin, um, try and keep track of this one if you can. Bought a £5 stream to FC United of Manchester versus Lancaster City last November, but the Wi-Fi in the Middle East wasn't good enough. So I FaceTimed my dad, who then pointed the camera at his tablet screen when he'd got the link up. Lasted about 10 minutes before I lost patience. How much do you need to watch FC United of Manchester versus Manchester City? <laughs> I mean, I sympathise with Ryan because I, I, I experienced a few similar situations in the in the depths of, of lockdown where I think it was like when yeah when Project Restart was on and like attempted to watch a few Watford games with mates. I follow. No, we, is it well, the much we, maligned we were, I follow? We were in the Premier League at that point. Still, oh, okay. Before we, before we got relegated. And yeah, you've got someone. Yeah, oh, should we all watch it together, lads? That'll be fun, won't it? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. How are we going to do this? Are we going to share our screen on Zoom? Are we going to. Oh, I'll just put the, my laptop in front of the big telly, but then oh, it's all, everyone's out of sync and it just. You have to mute your one because you've got it on your TV as well and uh, shambles. It, mm. it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. Um, two more surreal ones to finish off with. Ed Valentine Nick says, most unorthodox way to consume a football match, a pub in Cork used to have a TV in the window facing outwards so people could watch the match as they walked by. I'd park my car and watch it in the rearview mirrors with radio commentary through the car stereo. Rural Ireland. <laughs> Hang on. What's, what's with, with the mirrors? Why the, yeah, why, the, why don't you just park, it it, the, park your car the right way? <laughs> this is like a... 
it's a bad joke from the 90s. And everything presumably will be kind of reversed and the left back will be at right back. And, oh, and, no, no, and the radio not. commenter saying they're kicking from left to right and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Oh, it, would, it would blow your mind. Not, not to mention the fact you're sitting in your car watching it in the mirror, which is already absurd. From the pub's perspective, what's the logic in having an outward-facing TV so someone could... You, th- these these services and, and subscriptions are famously quite expensive, so you're paying for someone to not come into your pub, a, which is presumably the of point of the whole thing. Maybe. Just to tempt yeah. people in, just teasing them in with a bit of live football outside the window. Is he parked that, that way just because he wants to He wants to beat the traffic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's easier to drive off, isn't it? Yeah, if, yeah. yeah, yeah. Think about it. Think about the bigger picture. Finally, Joe, I watched PSG beat Leipzig through the flat across the road's window whilst I was doing the washing up. <laughs> Worked okay, but was often interrupted by passing buses. What a lovely, slightly um, Hitchcockian way of doing it. Must have had a, yeah, it must have had a massive TV, though, surely. Yeah. Because it's across the road. Slightly weird, though, as well. Yeah. Why is that bloke looking at... Well, I mean, that man's <laughs> staring again. Yeah. Just, uh, perfect <laughs> alibi. I wasn't, I wasn't snooping. I was doing the washing up with, the, it with could, the window open. Fine. It could it could really backfire if the, the person who had the TV started to, as one is perfectly allowed to in your own home, started to disrobe. And then you, you'd have to kind of say, no, no, I was, I was watching I was watching the TV. I was, watching, I was stealing your sky. I wasn't kind of perving on you. No, I mean, oh, oh God, oh, God. Do you uh, regularly disrobe whilst watching Champions League action, Nick? Well, sometimes. It, you know, it just gets too much, doesn't it? Just Action's too hot. You take your trousers off. If I had to put money on one football cliche's regular to say the words started to disrobe, it would be Nick Miller. So uh, not disappointed on that front. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Moving on, Antonio Conte is back in the Premier League. Um, reintroducing himself with a very strange quote, actually, Dave. Um, this was him referring to Spurs' summer approach. And then coming back again, he says, but the contagious enthusiasm and determination of Daniel Levy in wanting to entrust me with this task had already hit the mark. Now that the opportunity has returned, I have chosen to take it with great conviction. Didn't say um, it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't say it to the point where it sounds like Daniel Levy wrote it to me. <laughs> I, I I can actually that, that I can sort of believe that Antonio Conte did say that he's the sort of incredibly intense man that would possibly say say something like that. I mean, it, it probably bollocks, but I, I uh, I'm not I'm not entirely disbelieving that he's the sort of man that could come up with that. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of um, an episode of Partridge. Where he breaks up with Jill via the via his radio show. He she enraptured this man. He enraptured Daniel Levy. He just couldn't <laughs> wait to, to hire him. Um, but yeah, strange strange um, reintroduction to English football, but uh, not quite perhaps as strange as this. Dave Darren Bent was on Sky, and he said that Tottenham had got Conte on a free. <laughs> <laughs> Can a manager well, be on a free? I suppose. Uh, no compensation to pay. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it does sort of, yeah, I kind of, it does I'm kind of work, it. doesn't it? It's it's not the same, but it is the same in a way. Mm. There is no compensation. There's no, that's the tricky issue. Now, Nick, I think it's safe to say that Antonio Conte sits right in the middle of what we can describe as unfinished business territory. Does he? Does he? You know, let's kick this off. Does he fit for you all the criteria of unfinished business? Yeah, I mean, left. It, I don't think so. How can, it, you can't I, have unfinished business if you've won the Premier League, surely. <laughs> no, but he he sort of left. Uh, I, I suppose that the, the 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 perfect unfinished business is if you return to the place, the exact place where you managed before. But you know, he kind of left. 
left 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 England under a cloud. They're yeah. apparently apparently for for some reason people at other clubs who don't think he's a particularly good option, despite the fact that he's very obviously brilliant. I think that I think he qualifies. I, I I take both your points. I mean, yes, he did win the Premier League, David. So to the extent he's completed the Premier League, but as Nick rightly points out, there's there's some loose ends to tie up. There's a reputational kind of pieces of the jigsaw still to still to put in, perhaps. But Bob Priestley asks a very pertinent question here. Dave, he says, is there a statute of limitations on unfinished business? How long does it have to be unfinished before it simply becomes new business? Or in fact, <laughs> you know. You know, it's something that you never revisit. I mean, how long can you be away? Does it matter? Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Alan Kerbishley wouldn't justify as having unfinished business in the in the Premier League. His business has has, has expired now. Yeah. If people sort of generally don't remember what your business was that wasn't finished, then then it'd be really weird for you to come back and say, "Well, I've got unfinished business here," because no one remembers, no one would care. So I'm thinking five years max. Is that cruel? Allardyce seems like a man in a sort of permanent state of unfinished business. <laughs> uh, part, partly the because of the England thing, which is going to haunt him for forever. But or, or also, you, you, ha- you have to have significant doubters, I think, to to have unfinished business. And he, you know, That's whether he uh, whether real or not, he's he's convinced that everyone doubts him. Absolutely right. You've answered Elliot Wilson's question. He asked if if Big Sam and the relegation rescue boys classify for unfinished business. Because once they've kept a team up, that's their business finished. Um, yeah. But yeah, but there's a reputational aspect to this. It's not just about results. Um, I, I, all... think there, I think I do think there has to be a sort of they can't have had too long. The 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 original business has to have been reasonably short for some reason. I think or, or cut short unexpectedly. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, I think okay. I think I think people like Allardyce, Pardew, Pulis, etc. They've had to. So many bites at the cherries. They've had they've had ample opportunity to finish their business. <laughs> the uh, when uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, so Nottingham Forest sacked Billy Davis in 2011, mm. I think it was. Yeah. After he lost in the playoffs, and it, he was reappointed a few years later, and it was unfinished business was kind of used as a marketing slogan <laughs> to, to kind of reintroduce. Da- Can't Davis commodify unfinished business. I won't have well, it. Well, I mean, you say that Forrest, uh, Forrest very much did. I mean, it wasn't not the silliest thing that Forrest had done over the no. last, uh, you know, last decade or so. But yeah, he was. It, it was sold as Billy Davis being unfinished business, and then around a year later, he was sacked after, again after losing five 0 to Derby. So business remained unfinished. I feel <laughs> I want to be a bit more strict here. I, I feel like we, we've we've got this limit of if you're away for fewer than five years, you can you could justifiably come back and call it unfinished business. But I would say the thing that precedes that, it can only be one or two stints, no more. So, you, so I feel like you can't have been constantly coming back like Allardyce. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I'd say one or two jobs that didn't fulfil your ambitions or their ambitions is probably Moise, the maximum. I think Moyes at West Ham, going back to West Ham, that was a good example of unfinished yeah, business. I, yeah, because the clincher being that he went back to the same club, as, as Nick pointed out, that perhaps over, does override all the other criteria. So that's, that is a fair caveat. So, um, so our listeners have suggested some, some, some quick unfinished business candidates. Werbenuk says, Remy Gard for me is 100% pure, unfiltered, unfinished business. Ooh, but I think the business was so pathetic in the first place. <laughs> he sort of, it was sort of finished. And no one really default. expected any business from him. No. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But then, of course, you know, we, we should still allow it to accommodate personal ambition. He, yeah. he, he may well think that he has business to, to finish. Um, Sam, quite rightly, says AVB is a massive case of unfinished business. Genuinely surprised <laughs> I haven't seen him linked with Newcastle yet. Yep, but um, he's had two Premier League stints, so he fits the criteria. Don't know how long he's been away, but I think we can offer him some wriggle room because he did is, the Dakar rally. So Is yeah. age a, a, a factor in it at all? Because he's still young enough to... Have plenty Maybe. of time left to finish his business. Maybe if you come back in your sixties or you know early seventies mm. or something, there's, there's an element of yeah. you know I'm I'm back and I'm I'm wise and I'm old and I've got a steady head. So, mm. but this also applies to players, doesn't it, Nick? That I think this is quite um, this applies both equally between managers and players. Um, if if you had limitless time, I'd be happy to do a Premier League unfinished business eleven. <laughs> but let's let's save that. Let's save yeah, that. Um, we right episode one hundred and nine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's hear from our listeners. Adam Jones says Leroy Sane feels very unfinished businessy. Dave, happy with that? I don't feel like he's got any desire to return. He wanted out, didn't he? I don't think he was like forced out. He's gone back to his home country. Can't see I've... him back in the PL. 
No, I don't think he was sort of frozen out. You know, like like some of these Chelsea players, like De Bruyne and Salah, whoever, who kind of was at Chelsea, didn't get the opportunity, despite obviously being really having the potential to be brilliant. They went, had to go away, had to go to Wolfsburg and Roma. Then they've come back with unfinished business. Whereas I think somebody like Sane wanted to leave and was let, and and I don't think he'd be particularly wanting to come back. He's also at Bayern Munich. He's he's finished his business, surely. There. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. If you're back in your home country with a big club. That does that does add to the appeal. Ben Watt says uh, perhaps Serge Gnabry. Yeah. Uh, did but then Charlie pipes up and says, did Serge Gnabry finish his business with his four goals against Spurs a couple of years ago? But then questions himself mm. and says, can you finish your Premier League business in different competition? No. The answer is no. You definitely can't. Surely Serge Gnabry um, has to finish his business either against West Brom or a Tony Pulis managed team to really kind of square can, everything off properly. You can lay your ghosts maybe in that scenario but I don't think you can finish your business simply by playing against a team in a different competition who happened to be from the Premier League so no sorry Charlie but you're right to question yourself Conqueror Panda Dave says I would argue that Memphis Depay has unfinished PL business after his United stint pure unfinished business right still young enough to come back and do it if he wants to just be with Everton and he has proved subsequently that he is capable of finishing his business yeah The more we say that, the weirder it sounds. But we're sticking with it. There's no other way. Um, Lee Warner says, you really feel that uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan will be looking to prove his doubters wrong when he signs a season-long loan at Everton next year. Uh, unfinished businessy, Nick. Happy with that? Uh, yeah, I think so. He's got... I mean, the, the, uh, and does it does it help or hinder the cause that he, he was a bit of a flop at two different clubs? I don't, I'm not sure. I think hinders. Again, I hinders. think he's had two opportunities... Mm. And Manchester United, and I think Arsenal. I think the move to Arsenal could have been an opportunity for him to finish his business. Maybe players only would, get one go at it, and managers w- get two. Would he have to return to both Manchester United and Arsenal to finish his business? Uh, this <laughs> no, is just, definitely not. No, th- this just, is this this is becoming incredibly time-consuming. Yeah. Where yeah, did he do the better business? Arsenal or United? Probably Arsenal, just. Anyway, anyway, uh, someone who's, who's, once again, whose Twitter username and handle I can't decipher says, Iago Aspas has unfinished business. He will come back to the league with West Ham, score 10, in, 10 goals in 30 games and finally put that corner against Chelsea behind him. Now, yeah. Dave, I thought, yep, yeah, ticks all the boxes. You seem happy with this. Do you know how old Iago Aspas is? Guess. Uh, well, he was so. When was that season where he did the corner? Was Don't that, think about it too much. That was 14. 14, 15, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to say 30. 34! Wow. 34. Okay. I can't believe it. I'm genuinely stunned. I thought it was like 28, 29, and he was, he was well on course to finish his business, but that's it. Um, Does he simply need to just come back and successfully take a corner to finish his business? <laughs> Just a televised event where he takes one corner and then rubs his hands and then goes off back, back to Spain. Um, yeah, that's the, yeah, but yeah, it's too late for him now, Nick. You can't come back and finish your business at thirty-four because that will just be that'll be too leisurely, won't it? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, 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 can I suggest someone here, which I, I think mm. is not very high, not particularly high profile, but I think is very unfinished business. Alexander Sorloth, the uh, former Crystal Palace. Mm. Uh, striker was, you know, universally regarded as a complete boob, yep. and has now uh, gone and uh, scored Where's a lot he of gone? goals. Uh, well, he scored a lot of goals in Turkey. Yeah, of course he has. Yeah. Anyone coming back from Turkey is is unfinished business by default. It's almost like you get waved through customs. It's like, oh, <laughs> you come from the Turkish Liga. Sounds like you've got some unfinished business, mate. <laughs> you, you, you hop on through. You've got a point to prove. Um, some some te- some real technical uh, dilemmas here. Next, Angus B. Dave's Tammy Abraham unquestionably has unfinished business with yeah. the Premier League. Can no, oh, you're nodding, but yeah. can you have unfinished business with your home league? I don't think so. No, I do because I think his home league has has sort of shunned him to an extent. He was he he has forced to go to to, to Syria <laughs> and to prove his to prove that he is capable of being a top. Top level striker. <laughs> he was forced to go to the obscure backwater of the Syria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you can flesh out the narrative as much as you like. I'm still not happy with this because I mean, I'm not saying he's he's guaranteed to come back because you know this is where he belongs. I'm just saying that the point of unfinished business is that you're making you're making one final go at it. You're going back to that place where you didn't succeed and you're having another go. It's kind of this is where Abraham basically is from, and that doesn't count. I, that's mm. all I'm saying. 
It's important. I, I think he qualifies. Fine, fine, fine. I think I think very crucially that to to have business need that needs to be finished, you have to have shown significant potential in the first place. And I think he did. I don't think he's had the chance to fully cement his if status. If this doesn't win us the fucking FSA award, <laughs> nothing will. How, how long do you think as a Premier League minutes. Top-level Premier League businessman, Tammy Sorry. Abraham. Oh, nicely put. Okay, no, fair enough. I'm open to the idea. Um, uh, here's a more left-field shout, Nick. Uh, Kevin says, Julian Draxler has unfinished business at Arsenal despite somehow never playing for them. I, uh, I In my little list, I had uh, Leandro Damiao <laughs> as, uh, having unfinished business at Tottenham. Yeah. Do yeah. Arsenal have unfinished business with Julian Draxler? Yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yes, get him to sign on the dotted line, quite literally. Unfinished business. Quentin O'Neill, Dave, says, uh, I feel Mark Plattenberg has unfinished business in the PL. His move to Saudi was all too sudden. I mean, if anyone's going to break the unfinished business barrier for referees, it's probably Klatt, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he just released a book. He would say The the, the title of his book could well have been Unfinished Business. (laughs) (laughs) Unfinished Business could only be the autobiography title for a very select few people. Clattenburg, Keezy, definitely. Yeah, you have to have a, 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 an absolutely titanic lack of self, uh, self-awareness self to to do that. And yeah, I think he's definitely got it. Do you think Keezy would say it when he joins GB News in 2024? <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Unfinished Business with the uh, UK media industry. Yeah, the dark forces of the UK media industry. Mm. Um, just to bring this to its natural conclusion then, Dave... Footy in NFL says Mohamed Salah had unfinished business with the Premier League and now he's finished his business. Very tidy theory. Yep. I'm happy with this. 100% agree. Yes. So it doesn't matter that he hasn't, he's still playing in the Premier League. Can we safely say he's finished his business? I mean, nothing's going to happen now to undo the finishing of his business. He has finished his business, no doubt about it. The only thing I would say is, does he have unfinished business with Chelsea? Well, this is the... I can't because I can't see any context where he would join Chelsea at no. his peak, no, and say he that he still feels he like there's, there's a point to prove. Yeah, but Nick, probably the tidiest finishing of business in in Premier League history. I can't think of any better. Arguably, he finishes business in his first season and is now kind of just continuing with lots more business. He's, sold, he's business. sold his business now, and he's just <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 made a tidy profit. Yeah. and he's reinvesting the proceeds. Agreed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our final section for today is inspired by producer AD, who popped up in the WhatsApp group with Atalanta keeper just gave Ronaldo a bum slap. Bum slaps are huge in football. Now, it looked quite innocuous in isolation, but it, it opened a can of worms, when, Dave, when it comes to non-verbal football and communication. And let's, let's stick with bum slaps for a moment, because they're, they're a very precise scenario that you would that you would slap a bum in football. I feel like they serve a very specific purpose. It's not particularly emphatic. It's not to necessarily to get someone going. It's just done in passing, isn't it? Yeah. Who would, whose know, bum would you be slapping? A substitute coming yep. on. Yep, 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 yep. Who's doing yep. the slapping? The coach. Assistant sort of the assistant. Like assistant coach, like Michael the Carrick assist- or someone, or Mike Phelan. Okay, so he's done the laminated set-piece folder and he's just slapping his bum to make sure he's got all the set pieces in his head. Actually, I think it might be the the the, the, the assistant has gone through the laminated set-piece folder. He's uh, flipped over a few pages because he's lost his place and he's pointing to the specific thing. And then the manager comes in and slaps the bum, I think. Oh, oh yes. Hey, yeah, get to go on, son. Yeah, yeah. You've, the, 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 the sort of drone here has given you the, all the specifics. Now I'm coming here to just kind of finally give you the final instructions it, it's, and it's a slap actually, on the bum. Yeah, it's quite it's quite loaded. I think now in that very specific scenario, I'm thinking the bum slap there says it's basically saying go out there, make a nuisance of yourself, and maybe nick a goal. Unfortunately, that's what's happened. That's that's basically what the bum slap is preceding. That's, there's so much in that bum slap. Yeah, um, is it is it the sort of gesture equivalent of Harry Redknapp telling Pavlyuchenko to go on and run a run about a fucking bit or whatever? It was run about a bit. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. On a similar note, Sam Dave writes and says, I love seeing a manager and a player not speaking or high-fiving when the player leaves the pitch, either because he's received a stupid red 
or has been substituted in disgrace. The pointed, I refuse to even look at you, is wonderfully petty. Yeah. Um, so it's a very tense moment. I mean, when a player is leaving the pitch, I always, I always find myself looking to see, and the camera mm. seems to care as well. But whether yeah. there's an interaction between them, because it says so much. What, what if you're if you're a player coming off in any given circumstance? What are you looking for? I want a little pat around the neck for me. Yeah, like a like a ruffle of the hair. Almost to the point where you get forcibly pushed towards the bench, Nick, like by your head. So, well done. Yeah, and you, it, someone else hands you the tracksuit top, and I, I would like a, a, a sh- very quick word from the manager because that implies that it's a sort of it, it, either that you have shown some kind of dissent, which you know we all like you like to see, of course, because it shows they care. But it it also implies that there is sort of debate about whether you should have been taken off or not. So the manager is just kind of carefully explaining that they just need a shift of formation and they wanted to bring someone else on to do like this. Like an exit this. interview, isn't it? Stop saying, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Don't be downhearted. Yeah. I think that must be actually quite a, a lovely feeling. I bet that is. If you're Premier League football and you've had a really good game, you're knackered, you've run yourself into the ground, you come off in the 80th minute, you get a little scruffle of the hair from your manager, somebody throws you a nice tracksuit top, you sit down on that nice padded seat, sit down, have a bit of Lucas A and just think, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. It must be a really good moment. If you've got a standing ovation or, or a semblance yeah. of a standing ovation, you're ready for it. Like Players know when they're about to receive that welcome back from the bench. And given the voluminous staffs on Premier League clubs these days, there's a lot of people that could potentially congratulate you after you've left the pitch. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's um, it really is a minefield of etiquette. We asked our listeners, Nick, for their favourite forms of footballing non-verbal communication. Verbin Uke's back. Um, he sent me a little video, actually, uh, which is useless in a podcast context. And so is the way that I'm going to try and reenact it now. But I'll try and describe it as I do it. So... He's saying this is what a manager would do to either his players on the pitch or maybe to a substitute that's about to come on. So he's bringing his fingers together. Two pointed index fingers. Two pointed index fingers, pointing upwards, bringing them from either side to the middle. And then once they meet in the middle, he's pushing them back and forth and then repeating it. So what does that mean? I mean, the, when, now I do it in front of my face. It's so evocative. But I don't actually know what it means. What, what, what does a manager mean when he's doing it? Is it what does it mean? Get wide, but then come back in. Go forward and back. It it could be uh, sort of wingers t- telling wingers to swap sides, oh, perhaps. Okay. And then what's what's the front and back? Sort of Gerard and Lampard. But yeah, but you, you wouldn't do that to the same player, would you? Hmm, it's interesting. So if, one us, if one of us had a pro license, we we'd nail this. <laughs> we do. We need an expert opinion on this. Yes, I think Absolutely. you need to consult your army of followers on Twitter and find out. I will, I will. Okay, moving on. Arjun Gole says, the returning from an offside position arm wavy thing that assistants do is a surprisingly effective piece of communication that players don't seem to argue with very much. That's just a very good point, Dave. Of all the refereeing decisions, the one that is met with the least resistance is that curved arm that the referees do to say someone was coming back from an offside position. <laughs> and no one ever, ever disagrees with it because it's so vague because it's like, oh, who was it? Well, I'm not telling you. I'm just saying it was a big curvy arm. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm really, I've really noticed that one before. No? I, I hate no. it when this happens. You know what I mean. I'm, uh, for the benefit of you only, I'm going to do it in front yeah. of my screen. So it's like this. It's when they do this, it's sort of, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, someone... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, mix with me. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think you don't watch football. This this story that you only started playing when you were 27 troubles me enough. <laughs> I think I probably watch more football than you do. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. <laughs> anyway, um, Adam Hunter, Nick, says a player recreating an opponent's dive in an exaggerated fashion to the ref. So this is this is a step beyond the kind of rabbit paws, you know, that was a dive. When they actually go ahead and throw themselves on the floor, that's that's really extreme circumstances. That's when they're really worked up. It's quite rare event that isn't it it's usually they sort of they will satisfy themselves with a little you know mm. the, the as you say the, the rabbit paw thing mm. um, I like yeah. it when their hands are both together which yeah. is actually sort of more appropriate for a dive I saw Michael Antonio doing that recently because he got booked for diving and then someone else died and he went up to the ref and said ref and did the both hands together <laughs> It's, it's amazing that English-speaking players still need to feel the need to do that to referee. Mm. But, uh, but on a very much more important point, Dave, if you're doing that gesture, where are your hands? I feel like they should be sort of shoulder width. You should never bring them together, should you? No, I, I sort of would, because I, if yeah. I was diving into a swimming pool, you'd have your arms close together, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I suppose you would. No, I, I don't know. I don't know, I'm questioning myself. Nick, you rule. 
Uh, uh, hands together. Fine, fine. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Joe Holman dates the frantic, energetic tapping of an imaginary wristwatch to draw attention of the referee to a time-wasted goalkeeper. It's so insane. Like, it's weird enough, Dave, that they would point to their watch and then show it to, say, the fourth official. But it's when they actually, like, slap their wrists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. funny. Matt Q. Arms straight down in front of you, hands open with palms facing away from the body to indicate you want the ball played to feet. You feel like, um, Nick, you have to you have to kind of shrug your shoulders together mm. and, and just put your hands down. So here, here, really urgently. It's a, it's a strange piece of body language, really, making yourself as narrow as possible. To the, past. <laughs> the opposite of making yourself big as a goalkeeper. <laughs> they don't teach that. It's purely instinctive. It's just it's just football. It's ingrained in you to do it. I, I saw a really good one on Monday Night Football this week with uh, Wolsey Everton and Andros Townsend on two occasions in in the second half had the ball ran with it from out to in, sort of across the pitch, and whilst dribbling was waving his arms frantically in the air and looking exasperated at all his teammates as if to say, "Why aren't none of you showing for the ball?" Why are none of you running? While he was dribbling. That's while very he was impressive. still dribbling, yeah. I've only ever seen it sort of with fullbacks with loads of space in front of them saying, come on, where are you? But um, Or even with a sort of throw-in taker. But to do it while dribbling across the pitch, mm. that is, that's something of a freestyle. And then both times he had impressive. to just lay it off backwards to, to mm. a midfielder and he sort of carried, you know, just threw his arms up um, at yeah. looking, looking, looking at Damari Gray witheringly. <laughs> uh, on a similar theme of kind of possession not completed, G Sarge, uh, Nick says... Um, striker at the back post, arms in the air after a winger doesn't cross for the open goal, holding his stance for about 11 seconds, staring at the teammate. And this bit I do like. The winger then pulls that scrunched up face as if to say, not sure I could have got it across when he definitely could. Nick, for the be- for the benefit of just me and Dave, could you do the scrunched up? Oh, I couldn't quite get it to you from that from that point on the pitch face. Yes, the tilt of the head. <laughs> the tilt of the head is the true connoisseur of footballing body language. I knew you'd, I knew you'd come through. That's sensational. Couldn't trust Dave with it, but I definitely could. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, love this one. Dave, this one is for you. The striker who angrily lifts both arms in front of them to show a teammate just how much space they were in, often exaggerated by the fact the move has broken down by this point and defenders aren't where they were two seconds previously. Now, I want you to picture in your head a striker running through for a through ball that doesn't happen. And then when it doesn't happen, like furiously pointing their hands in front of them, like almost to the floor, saying, this is where I was, this is where I could have gone. Who are you thinking of in Premier League history? Who do you think was the biggest exponent of that? It's got to be Henri. Yes! This is, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so, I've never felt a better connection with a human being. Now, someone has just said Thierry Henri was the greatest exponent, putting their hands in front of them when the ball didn't come through them. He is the king of expressive... Non-verbal communication, surely. I, I do question myself a little bit here, Nick, because I thought that was the scenario where he did that. But maybe it was more, it was when the referee inexplicably didn't play advantage. Is that the inexplicably didn't play advantage gesture? He said, like, oh, I've got the ball, I've got the ball, I've got this much space in front of me. How could you do this? That's the gesture, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a very kind of similar, it's a cousin. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. But it, with, really with, with on... Shape. With Henri, is there a sort of uh, element of look? I'm quite clearly the best player around, uh, on this pitch. So the the very thought that you wouldn't either pass me the ball or allow me the advantage here is just completely against football itself. Yeah, I, that's a very good point. A lot of Thierry Henry's body language, Dave, was based around the fact that I'm the be- I'm the greatest. Like I I mm. run the show here, not in a particularly egregious way, just in a kind of letting everyone know that this. Yeah. You dance to my tune, and we there's something about Thierry Henry's character, his style, his sort of general aura that I think lets him get away with that. Whereas Cristiano Ronaldo, I think in recent years, particularly as he's become more and more obsessed with scoring goals at any available opportunity, the number of times where he's just absolutely furious that anyone has done anything that doesn't lead to him scoring a goal loves an arm flat like flinging his arms backwards. Probably no one better. His arm flaps, I mean, well, that, that, that uh, I, I'm reminded of... If we say arm of, flaps anymore, well, that would be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, I am reminded of uh, undoubtedly one of the funniest moments in recent football history when um, he, he was playing for Portugal and he, he chipped the goalkeeper, I think, and then I think it was, it was either Nani, Nani or Ricardo Caresma 
just kind of followed it in and uh, oh yes of course he chipped the keeper I think and then uh, Nani headed it in on the line and he was absolutely livid with him uh, but but Nani was he was offside whoever yeah. put it over the line was offside so not it wasn't even that someone had nicked his goal it was the goal didn't count because of this boneheaded I feel like you got to sympathize you got to sympathize with that one at the very least I feel like anybody would have done that um, but his his arm flaps are generally speaking more reserved for when when he misses a chance, and it, he, he it's like he regards it as some kind of sin put upon him by the world. Yeah. That you know, the, this is nothing to the, the, that I missed. That chance wasn't anything to do with me. Mm. It's some kind of forces conspiring against me that have. You're you a yellow. Not dark forces. Ex- exactly. No, not dark forces. No, no, very specifically confined to sky. Those <laughs> those are. But. Yeah. Okay, the last two. Um, really enjoyed these ones. Dave, uh, George Gunn says, when referees go to book a player while pointing at several vague areas around the pitch where past fouls have been committed. Uh, two points on this one. What is that called? Assistant fouling. Nick Miller. Accumulation. The totting oh, up process. Totting, totting up. up. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, totting up process. Uh, secondly, I think this is very important. We pro- Again, we could probably ask a referee about this, but I suspect they'll give this answer. Do you think the areas of the pitch they point to, Dave, are accurate? Or do you think they just think, well, as long as I get three or two, maybe it's just two. What's I the minimum it. number of places you need to point on the pitch to book someone? Three. So would you sort of, sort of, would you turn around and do it? Oh, you just don't need to. Do. There, there, there. Oh, you, oh, you're pointing behind it. You can, yeah. That is petulant. You wouldn't do, you wouldn't catch a referee. <laughs> that's for pundits who are talking about the game that's happening. You can't, referees will never point. Who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> I think it's it's also that yeah, that one is also is also quite often finished with the sort of what do you expect me to do shrug, mm. which is kind of you, you fouled four blokes in the last twenty minutes. Mm. What do you yeah, expect yeah. me to do here? Yeah, uh, very much Mike Dean territory. Oh yeah, very yeah. much so. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but I do love the tossing up process. It's a kind of just an unwritten rule of football that everyone kind of agrees with. Finally, Daniel O'Connell. When an attacker is returning from an offside position and holds their arms up and kind of tiptoes away from the action. As if to underline, I am not interfering with this passage of play. It's such, it kind of, two things here, Nick. It's such a weird thing for a footballer to do because, you know, I think the referee's got it. It's fine. But at the second time, at the same time, you kind of have to do it just to really emphasise, you know, just to make sure that you get, you don't get pulled up for it. Yeah, it's a sort of, again, it's a, it's a cousin of the hands up towards the shoulders <laughs> when you very obviously fouled someone. Yes. And you're trying to indicate that you, you haven't fouled someone, but the very fact that you're doing that indicates that you've definitely fouled them. It's exactly the same. It's actually yeah. exactly the same. It's very important. I think I think the more worried you are about getting called offside slash getting penalised for that penalty decision, Dave, the more pressed to get the more arched your back has to be and the more your palms have to press against your chest. Like you're really like, No, please don't, please don't ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit like a sort of cartoon lady being scared by a mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good shout. I think, I, but I think, I think you're you're in serious danger if you do that after having been anywhere near a collision in the prem, in the in the uh, penalty area. Yeah, offside, fine. There's a bit more leeway there, but the, I, yeah, you're in big trouble if you I'm do that. I'm trying to think if I've ever done that in Sunday League because I mean, cause, I mean, I'm convinced that a good 50, 60 percent of Premier League body language translates itself to Sunday League almost directly because that's that's influence. But I'm not sure if I've ever done the kind of oh no, I didn't, I didn't. I think I, I'm, I'm too honest. I just go oh fuck, sorry, sorry <laughs> fucking fuck, and just yeah. sort of go oh bollocks. So uh, yeah, I, I, I always own up to my penalties. Always, I'm like the Decanio of Sunday League. It's a good way <laughs> in to in many be. ways. Can I um can I nominate another one yes. here? Go on then. Uh, I like the. It's it's the clap almost always kind of done vaguely over the back of your head for a striker for, from a striker who is applauding an overhit pass yep. that was sort of st- ostensibly quite a good idea, but they've just slightly they've just got the, the the execution wrong very slightly. Is the thumb optional? So you think clap first, but would you do the thumb? I mean, yeah, the clap it, can turn into a thumb quite easily. I think. I think it's interchangeable. Mm. You can you can do the thumb, you can do the clap. Mm. Nothing more than that, I don't think. You know, that would be excessive. It's a, but I love this scenario because again, this this translates all the way down to the lowest levels, Dave. As as you know, especially in your position as a centre half, if you're pinging a pass out to say a Which winger, does, that doesn't it, happen often. Okay, but <laughs> if it, even if it flies over their head, mm. if it was a good enough idea. There is that tense moment where you're waiting for them to make eye contact with you from, you know, 60 yards away just to make sure, yeah, good yeah. idea. Nice one. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah. 
You're always looking. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I think you can sometimes, if you're the person who's made the pass and overhit it, you can prompt their reaction by just apologising first. Yeah. Yes. And then you get, and then you get that. Yeah. Yeah, very diplomatic. You're never going to, dis- especially the first 20 minutes, you're never going to get an angry response. So always worth a go. Good Sunday league diplomacy there. Anyway, um, thank- what, a, what a wonderful adjudication panel. Great stuff. Uh, bum slap for you, Dave Walker. <laughs> thank you. And a, uh, a really sort of manic clasping of your head in the way that managers do to subbed off players who feel aggrieved but have nevertheless finally done exactly what was asked of them for you, Nick Miller. I feel glowing and oh, I'm going to float away from this now. Yeah, don't, don't, don't throw your tracksuit to the floor in disgust. Anyway, that's the end of this podcast. See everyone next week. Have a lovely weekend. Goodbye. Athletic.